0: Not proud, but that was me, and when I face it, I take back a little dignity, not looking for excuses, I just want to be free from power, weakness head on.
1: Hi everyone, and welcome to the Bubble Hour, where real people tell real stories of addiction and recovery. I'm Jean McCarthy, and as of this Friday, the 20th of March, 2020, I am a woman in recovery for nine years. It's nine years since I broke up with booze for good. So, if you want to know my story, you can visit my blog Unpickled. There's a link in the show notes, and uh, you can hear all about it. So. First question, how are you? Uh, we have all had one hack of a week here. I didn't do a show last week because I actually recorded a show, but the technical glitch happened and everything was deleted within moments of having recorded it. And I should have known then that it was going to be a rotten week. Things went downhill from there, obviously. Uh and then came uh, all kinds of changes in our, in our world as we really felt the full force of what we're dealing with with this current uh, global crisis with the coronavirus. So wherever you are right now, um, I am just sending you Peace and strength and solidarity as we all do our best to get through this together. Hungry, angry, lonely, and tired are four of the biggest triggers for people in recovery. And I'm thinking that uh, for those of us who might have our livelihoods affected by the economic impacts of what's happening right now, that could affect us in terms of being angry because anger can come in all kinds of forms. It can come as anxiety, fear. uh, A lot of these Things mask as anger, and and they are just fuel for our addictive tendencies. And uh, lonely, as we are, literally isolated and possibly feeling lonely, and tired, just tired of all of this. So, um, but you know, hopefully, we don't have to be hungry. I hope you're not hungry on top of all of that. Anyway, just know that there are a lot of challenges to taking care of yourself. And uh, there's a lot of things that might be challenging your recovery that you may not be aware of. So I really, really encourage you to stick with it don't think that just because all of this is happening uh you know it's an excuse or a reason to give up or that it's too hard you can do it and i really believe that our recovery will serve us now more than ever through times like this and uh, if you're just getting started i really oh my gosh i send you the biggest biggest hug right now um and no, We're going to talk about it a little bit more in the show too, but there are online meetings and there's so much support for you. So please don't let everything that's happening right now keep you from making positive changes in your life or reaching out for support. Well, I want you to meet uh, a friend of mine who is just celebrating her first year of sobriety. She has been working hard on recovery for a long time, and um, she celebrated her uh, first year of sobriety by telling me that she was going to share her story on the Bubble Hour. So uh, you're going to meet her now. Her name is Christy. And uh, she and I chatted from our various remote locations. It so happens that we both live in the same part of Canada, several hours away, but her kids go to summer camp, uh, not far from where I live. So once a year, we manage to see each other and and talk about things. So you're going to get to know her now. So here is my discussion with Christy. Hi, Christy. Welcome to the Bubble Hour. Hi, Jean. Thanks for having me. It's nice to chat with you. Now, we have been so fortunate as to actually meet in person, and um, that's, a, that's a pretty cool thing. So I, I can picture your face as I'm talking to you, and I'm I'm yeah. really glad that you're on the show. Yeah, I'm
2: happy to be here. I'm excited. I do remember meeting you, I think it was, what, two years ago now, I think, or maybe just over a year ago in the summertime. Um knowing that you were close to where I was, was really awesome that I had the opportunity to come and and meet you face-to-face before I actually knew who you were, to be honest. <laughs> and then I, I realized after, and I was like,
1: oh my God, I just had coffee with her. Like, <gasps> it was crazy. It was crazy. Because you reached out through an online group, right? And said you were in this area and... I said, I'll meet you for coffee. And then you were brave enough to do that, which was awesome.
2: Well, and I kind of just thought you were some lady, right? I didn't realize like who you were and the magnitude that you had in the community. And yeah, then just afterwards being able to um, realize who you were, I was like, oh my God, it was crazy. (laughs) It was crazy. It was like mind blowing. And I was like, what did I just do?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're all just people, so it's kind of. I'm glad that it worked out that way because we had a really heart-to-heart first first meeting. And you you're a person with a lot of energy, and I I knew when I met you that you were going to just tackle this thing and clobber it, which you have done. But I know it hasn't been an easy endeavor, or nor has it been a perfectly straight line for you. So I guess. Before I get off on a tangent, just telling you how wonderful you are, and you are wonderful, um, I'll have you tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us your story and let us get to know you. Okay, awesome. Sounds
2: good. So, yeah, so I'm 35, I'll be 36 in April this year, which actually just like blows my mind that now I'm on the, the scale that is closer to being 40, I guess. I don't know. I feel like I needed to grow up a little bit at this point. Um, but I'm uh, legally separated and I have just over 1 year sober, so it'll be 13 months uh next week, I think, yeah, on the 23rd. So, made it over a year. Um, and I'm living just outside of Edmonton right now. So, um, I'm actually running my own business doing massage as a registered massage therapist, and so I really knew at the beginning of getting my like getting my clients and my business running, I really knew that I had to make a decision as to what life I was going to be living. So if I wanted to be working um, promoting health and working with clients, you know, was I gonna be hung over trying to work with these clients and do this kind of thing. So I knew that I had to make a choice if I wanted to have a business and make a name for myself, right? So, um, so I guess like a relationship with alcohol that I always had was one, uh, I had an alcoholic mother growing up. And so I always seen kind of the bad side to it. Um, I only lived with her till I was about eight, and then um after that I was moving around with my parents and my aunt and uncles. And um I moved probably about every four years, I would say. I think four years was like the um the longest that I was anywhere. Um and it was all like really like weird stages of life too in different grades that I had moved. So like middle of grade two grade five, grade eight, and then the middle of grade 11. So just as soon as you kind of get your base, you know, going and started and friends developed, you know, I was moving again. So um, it was a lot growing up doing that. And I think it during those ages, because it was so crazy, my relationship with alcohol, I really wanted nothing to do with it. And, I could see how it affected, you know, so many different people, um, just from my aunts and me and all that. So I, you know, kind of just didn't want to, I didn't want to live like that for the longest time. And I didn't want to follow in her, my mom's path for a long time. Um, and then the middle of grade 11, when I moved for the last time, um, things kind of changed. I was 17 And things just shifted and changed, and I just got a lot of hate in my heart for everything that was kind of happening and going on. And then, you know, classic story, you meet a boy and, you know, you fall in love and you're young and you start doing all of the things. Um, So I got into, I think it was... It was quite early, actually. It was even more so when I was, like, before I was even drinking heavily, I started doing drugs like ecstasy and all that kind of stuff just for the escape. I really discovered how much I liked it um, and how much it helped with everything that I had been shoving down for so long. I was, I think it was grade eight, well, in middle school, I was a cutter as well, because I wasn't much of a drinker yet at that point, and so that was really helping my pain of, you know, the moving and having not a great relationship with my mom, and then when I found, like, the drugs and the drinking, that really took over everything, and really, um, it just really... Yeah. Just really helped with everything that I was feeling at that point. Right. So, um, I didn't really have a relationship with my mom during those, those years. And I think that that's where a lot of the damage kind of was done. She was really busy doing her own thing and battling her own demons, And so, you know, people in my life would try and help and do as much as they could. But what do you do with a teenager that's not yours, that you just kind of got handed, right? So there wasn't a whole lot that anyone could really do for me or, um, you know, they weren't sure what was going on, really. And I hid a lot of stuff, too. So um, within that, too, I think things just really developed. Um, I was actually smoking crack for a while in my like early 20s. It was like a six month, seven month stint where it was just pretty crazy. And um, I realized after that that had happened, I just kind of woke up one day and realized that I had to leave that situation. That was the boy still from high school. And I had to leave that situation and get myself healthy, Um, which I didn't, I moved. I replaced one for another one, one issue for another, but, um, yeah, I just kind of sailed through life just partying and having bad relationships with men and, you know, not really, um, not really owning anything that was actually going on, I think. So it was really difficult to kind of pinpoint everything that was going on because I never really stopped. So that kind of made it something that was, which is the problem? Is it, you know, being lonely? Is it not having a mom? Is it the drug? You know, it was just one thing after another. Um, And then, yeah, and then I met my husband, my ex-husband, actually. And I was quite the train wreck when we had met. And so that kind of just took us into... Um, you know, our base that we had, you know, we fell in love, but we partied a lot and we drank a lot and you know, we were very much in love, but I think our base was very not solid, wasn't built on a good foundation. Um and so yeah, so then, you know, one thing kind of led to another and then I ended up pregnant and thankfully I didn't drink during either of my pregnancies. I do have two kids, so I was able to stay sober throughout those entire um, stints of being pregnant. Um, but then it didn't really it didn't really stick for long, right? I was I can remember with my oldest, I was um, drying up from stopping uh, breastfeeding and it's painful. And I can remember thinking, um, having a glass of wine and taking a T3 would, you know, take the pain away. Right. And I think I, you know, she was a baby. Um, and I had supports there and my family was there and no one seemed to say anything to me or, you know, tell me that that wasn't something that I should be doing. So, it was an interesting fact that just in those aspects that I was always kind of a person that people didn't really say no to because no one in my family really knew what to say or how to say it. Or, you know, we joke now that it was because I didn't have a mom. So everyone just told me what I wanted to hear because I didn't have a mom. And it's kind of the way it was. We joke about it, but it's kind of exactly how it was. So, um, Anyway, so, yeah, so it kind of continued on, off and on with me still kind of drinking, not as much. I was a, you know, I'm a good mom. I really, really am. But I still had all of these demons and all of these issues that were unresolved and, now I just kind of had like a partner in crime within my my ex-husband. So things just kind of trickled down because we had met in that stage of life and uh, it was acceptable. So two kids later, you know, the house, the dog, the cars, all that stuff, everything was seemingly really great on the outside. Um, but I was really still struggling. And he was the breadwinner of the family as well. So he was the one that was making all the money. And, um, I would always try and do like little jobs around, uh, the house and stuff, or just, you know, little things that I felt that I could do to contribute and feel, um, that I was contributing and doing something for the family, but I was always really bored being a stay-at-home mom like I I give praise to people that do it and stick with it and love it and you know like I just I just couldn't do it I found that it just gave me too much time with myself um that I wasn't really all that prepared for and it gave me a lot of opportunities actually to just to just drink more because that Mommy culture is a scary scary thing and it's real and I found friends that were like me and we kind of just continued the trend because of course you find ones that find it to be acceptable just just like you do and it just kind of continued from there and so finally last year it was last Easter um yeah, I just had had enough and I had decided that that was something that I couldn't I couldn't live with anymore. There was just constant constant fighting and I was getting to the point where I just wasn't able to look in the mirror within myself anymore and be happy with what I was doing and I wanted to pursue my massage career and I felt like I was living a completely double double life and I was, um, you know, rebooking clients because I was hungover, and I'm in a small town. And so if you want to build a business, you have to be able to, um, connect with people and build a name for yourself. And I was like, if I keep doing this, then I'm going to, um, you know, I'm going to create a name for myself that isn't the one that I want. So, I eventually just kind of had to take a look at what what I was doing and the path that I wanted to be on and February 23rd was the last time that I had drank and I of course like there was so many different times that I had tried to stop before that. I would get in 90 days and then I would end up drinking and then I would... Um, you know, I would get in a month and I read some journals actually when I was leaving and moved. Um, I had journals from like 2015, 2014 of just me, you know, doing the same thing and writing the same things over and over of like, this time's going to be the time and I'm going to feel better. And I would write goals and I would do all the things. And then it would be like had another slip and, you know, and it was just really tough cause I didn't have the support that I think I needed. Um, cause my ex just had zero intention on quitting. Cause you know, in his brain, we didn't have a problem. Right. So it was tough to be doing it all on my own and thinking that that was, that was a problem, how we were behaving and, doing it on my own so um I ended up finding the online groups and they really helped um because of course you do the googling of you know drinking in moderation first and am I an alcoholic or you know things like that and I knew going to AA meetings wasn't going to be something that I could do in a small town um just because I just wasn't prepared to stand on my own two feet with it yet and be prepared to own it within my town. So I just basically did it kind of secretly and just had to finally make up my mind and decide that that was not the life that I wanted to live. And yeah, it's been 13 months now and took me well, since I was 17 to get here. So, you know, just a little bit. (laughs) Just a couple of years,
1: right? Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Did you you mark the day? Did you have a celebration of some kind to celebrate your sober birthday
2: oh yeah we did we made um so I have friends of mine that actually made me two cakes and we went out for supper um and what else I think that was it but yeah it was it was a great day I had the kids that weekend and we went and celebrated and um yeah I ate way too much cake for probably like the week after so it was wonderful
1: yeah yeah it was good (laughs) So your kids were part of your celebration. They know about your recovery and are they really happy for you? And do they, do you see a difference in your relationship with them? Um, you
2: know what it's, I, I want to say yes, but it's been, it's been pretty rocky with the separation, um, because within having someone not seeing the value in what I did and how I got sober when I got sober, um, And that person being my ex-husband, you know, so when everything kind of happened, it's been really um, not looked at as something to celebrate coming from his end. So it's been really hard for me to, um, I'm starting to build that up with the kids now and show them and tell them and um, have that open communication with them. Because when everything was first kind of happening, you know, over the last year and six months or so right I was trying to keep things kid-friendly that were happening and a lot of the adult stuff actually came out from his end and from his perspective so kind of put a little bit of a damper on things but I think they're starting to realize kind of now the more that I talk about it and you know I I will say you know like um certain things like I, I got sober to be a better mom for you. And this is kind of, um, you know, this is things that, that I need to do to be a better mom. And yeah, that's, so the conversations are starting to come up more and more now that they know that I have a year. Cause I was just really, I think I was afraid actually to celebrate too much or talk about it too much, just, just in case I didn't make it you know, like it had been something that was, I talked about it all the time and wanted it so bad, but never really committed to it, I guess. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. so it was tough to be like, no, no, I'm really going to do it this time. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. But this time I promise. (laughs) So now that I have that year in, it feels, uh, it feels a lot more serious, right? Like it's, yeah it's something that I actually did and committed to. So if that makes sense.
1: Oh, it completely makes sense. And I know we talked about this when, when you and I had coffee, probably that very first time. And Mm. which is that even if the kids don't know, they appreciate it. It is the best thing you could give them. It really is. Um, It's a new normal for them. And, um, And, and if they don't really realize that, that's great too. You're, you're creating a whole new normal for them. And I just, I think it's just, well, I know it's one of the most amazing things we can do for our kids. Um, Of course, we do it for ourselves, but it has an amazing effect on the other people in our life. So I commend you for that. Thank Um, you. (laughs) And you mentioned friends that you had friends that made you cakes and celebrated with you. So did your wine mom friends transform into recovery friends? Or did you go out and make new friends?
2: Um, so no, they've actually so it's tough. So when you split up in a small town, it sounds like a country music song, but it really <laughs> it it truly is because what happens is there is a lot of separation between uh A between around your drinking friends and B around, you know, your husband's friends or ex husband's friends and then my friends, right? So um, no, the wine moms and those friends actually didn't stay with me they didn't stick with me um so i have just kind of my my og kind of crew of people that have stuck by me since oh my gosh since the beginning um and that um were part of it so no so unfortunately like there wasn't new people there like i find that that is like one of the hardest things to um to do and to have, I guess, transpire is to have people like in, in your life, you know, that are, that are like that. Right. Cause it's like, it's almost like once you quit drinking, people are like, Oh no, we're not going to hang out anymore. And it's like, well, what do you do now? Right. Like, especially coming from a small town, cause there's really not a whole lot else to do around here. So when you go from being that kind of party mom girl to, to not, um, it, it really shakes things up a lot. So.
1: Was it hard to realize then that they maybe were never true friends or that, you know, the friendship was based on partying and not anything deeper than that was, did you grieve that at all?
2: Well, I think I did. Um, I realized it even before the separation had happened. Um, there was people that I was really trying to distance myself with just because I um, I knew that it was the best thing that I had to do because those were triggers for me. Those were people that were, um, you know, it was just too easy to hang around with. And so those friendships I really analyze them. And then I had to distance myself from them before, you know, even before the separation and that kind of stuff happened. So I knew, yeah, like I knew that those weren't going to be people that kind of stuck by me, but I always, I think in the back of my mind, hoped that they would, um, but yeah, no, as it transpires kind of now too, I just really see a lot of people's true colors and, and that's okay. You know, that's, that's totally fine. But it's a big shift as to, you know, when you're doing this really great thing that you've wanted to do for like your whole entire life and, um, I think I expected just a little bit more of a response, I guess, because a lot of those friends knew the struggles that I was having. And, you know, I had talked about it before and I don't know. I, not that I was, you know, looking for a standing ovation, but I thought that maybe someone would understand <laughs> like just a little <laughs> bit more, but you know, it, you don't get that. Like you just, you just don't, you have to really take your own personal wins and, really roll with them because the only person that is going to give you that pat on the back, like that truly matters is yourself, right? Like being able to wake up in the morning and appreciate who I am and being able to look at your face and actually really love yourself and, you know, coming from a place of not being able to do that. Um, it's, it's really like the most rewarding piece of it, I guess.
1: When when you and I first met, and that's two years ago, so before you managed to um, successfully have a year of continuous sobriety, mm-hmm. it, you worked really hard for a year before that and were in and out. Um, and you were still married at that time, um, mm-hmm. I think, or or contemplating separation. What I'm wondering is changing the, the role of... Um, the people that you had around you. What effect did that have on being able to be successful in recovery? Um, well, I think that it had all of the all of the
2: effect right? Because I was changing, you know, uh, my people, places and things. And I think that that was one of the hardest things that I had to realize because I had kicked out all these people out of my life and I had distanced them. And then I was really sitting down and looking within my marriage. And it really made me sad to realize that that was kind of the last common denominator. And, um, it was, it was tough. It was a, it was a really hard decision to realize that if it was, if it was going to be me in sobriety, it couldn't be me in my marriage. And it's something that I still actually am fighting for at this point in time. Um, because it's just not understood, right? Um, the value of my, my sobriety was never, um, understood, I guess. Like, so whether it was me laying on the couch, hungover for three days or me being absolutely awesome and like meal prepping and getting the kids like organized and lunches and being on top of like stupid field trip forms, you know, it, there wasn't really a big difference. And, you know, those little wins of, of lifing, um, they're a really big deal. Like I take those wins, like they are something that I was just never able to do, before, you know, like I was barely functioning. And to me, I think that was just the saddest piece of it was that that was never, that was never noticed. Like I was legit falling apart and like a shell of a person. And there was no difference between that. And then like six months sober, Christy, like, (laughs) it's like, Oh, okay. So changing those people and changing those relationships, really, it made all the difference.
1: You're saying that that your partner couldn't see the value and it didn't just didn't notice you, whatever you were doing, whether you were struggling or succeeding. It wasn't, they were indifferent to it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't, Yeah.
2: yeah, it was, it was yeah, it just wasn't really noticed whether, whether I was doing really well or not, or, you know, and it was hard for, for him on that aspect too, just because it was something that I talked about all the time and then fell off the wagon and then I was doing it and then I wasn't doing it. And, you know, he just, I think in certain moments just couldn't, um, couldn't keep up really, I guess. And, you know, when I actually did decide to get serious and stuff like that, it was just something that I wasn't, I wasn't taken serious. Um, And so, yeah, it was something that I really, really had to fight for, but
1: I'm so glad that I did. So tell me some of the things you did that worked to, to bring sobriety into your life. What are, what are some things that you did differently in your life and new things you tried like what worked how did you do it um so I guess within
2: the aspect of when I first started so I was still living in my house with my ex-husband for about two and a half months before I actually moved um I think I was still in fight or flight for the first three months of my sobriety so I was actually I was working out a lot um listening to music that would get me through and I was on the elliptical and I walked and I walked and I walked at the time when I was still able to have my dog. Um, I walked so, so much and I would listen to your podcast, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, and I would just remind myself of, um, that this is something that I want. And, you know, those feelings of um, hearing people's stories and just knowing that if I didn't do it this time, you know, this is really my last shot to, um, to say like, I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to do it. Like I was tired of telling everybody the same song and dance and the same story over and over and over. So I was like, I need to stick with this and I'm not going to, do all of this work and this damage really to my family without actually fighting for this and doing it. So to me, it was kind of a little bit more of like an ultimatum to myself, um, because I just didn't want to have to do it again. And so it was kind of like a last ditch at that point. So yeah, so I walked and I walked a ton, um, and I slept, (laughs) a lot I went to bed really early <laughs> and I got up really really early and just did things that made me feel good and connected with my kids and just stayed away honestly from a lot of people like I maybe I I maybe went to like two, maybe three events kind of all summer. Like I played ball, um, first summer with some really great people, um, which helped a lot too. So I had an outlet of just communicating with people. And then when they would like go out afterwards and stuff, I would head home and, you know, just seclude myself from, from the, that aspect of the social situation, um, but yeah, I just I really wanted to keep the promise to myself because I was just so tired of like not, <laughs>
1: right? What's your um what are some of your go-to things? So you're you know, your when you go to a restaurant, what's your go-to drink? And when someone asks you what you why you aren't drinking, what's your go-to response? <laughs> what are some of the things that you kind of have ready to go? in your pocket to protect your recovery.
2: Um so I guess my go-to drinks are always a virgin caesar or coffee always. I love yeah. coffee. <laughs>
1: Americans, we have lots of American listeners who may not know what a Virgin Caesar is. So can you explain oh, what
2: that is? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. Because they don't have Clamato juice there. Yeah. Um, so what it is, is it's just tomato and spices. So it's like, uh, so I guess the American version would be what
1: the Bloody Mary,
2: the Virgin Bloody Mary. Right. Because it's Which tomato would be juice, just right? Tomato juice,
1: but it's yeah. It's better in Canada. (laughs) Yeah, because it's (laughs) plumato.
2: Right. Yeah. A little bit better, but yeah, super spicy. And then they also put in like yummy beans or celery or pickled asparagus. And so they're really filling, which is what I what I like. It's not something that is um really sugary, uh, even though I love sugar too. But um um I find that they're they're kind of filling and then I just yeah, always coffee. And then if people So not many people ask me too much anymore, uh, why I'm not drinking. Most people kind of know who I'm with, but I just say, um, now at this point I can say I have a year sober and I just don't drink anymore. Um, But before, I, I think before, like I used to I, I can't even remember what I would say. Like I can remember in the very beginning times having to say like, Oh, I'm on antibiotics or I'm cleansing or, you know, like I, I went through all those excuses too, just to not have to actually say that, that I don't want to drink, but I kind of came to terms with it a little bit more when I had decided within myself that I was like, I'm going to tell people that I just don't have a good relationship with, with alcohol. Right. Like, um, I would say sometimes to people that like I'm just not a one or two drink kind of person, and a lot of them will understand <laughs> like they will they will get it like, oh yeah, right, <laughs> you're one of those <laughs> like I have no off button that's that's how I like to do things I like to do I like to do it balls to the wall, no matter what I'm doing, so yeah, so I guess that's mostly how I explain it. Now I try to not get into too much detail,
1: but sometimes I get verbal diarrhea and (laughs) start talking too much. Do you have any friends that are sober or any other people in your life that are in recovery that you look to for support? Have you built some connections? Um, I know you said you're in a small town, but I know you're not too far from a bigger city. So have you been able to find some resources?
2: Um, you know what? I have um I've used the online resources a lot. Um, and uh who I actually work with now at the the studio that I work at, um she is I think she's about four months ahead of me. So she doesn't drink either. Um and so I'm starting to slowly build a tribe of people that don't drink and that it's okay and acceptable or people. People that drink minimal even. Um, it's um it's re- it's really funny to me actually as to when you are hanging out with people, um, how much people don't really drink? <laughs> like when I was drinking, I just always thought that everyone was drinking as much as I was, and so you know, like not really realizing that. Most people are not really actually consuming that much alcohol. It was always me, right um, unless we were around those certain friendships so um I've just found at this point that i i just I just tend to seek out more people that um that don't really drink, and I do have friends that still kind of party and stuff like that, but they they know my story from the very beginning and they just don't invite me to things like that you know, like we have, we have dinner at their house or, you know, stuff like that. And people have been so, so supportive. Um, and you really only need a handful of people that support you, you know, like that's enough. You don't need a ton of people to, you know, I, if you have the room full of people from the AA meetings, you know, like that's great, you know, or from any type of tribe or, you know, whichever, but I found I just, I just needed those few solid, people in my life to kind of get me through and to understand. And that's all I really needed.
1: I think that's so cool that your business partner is, um, also in recovery. I, I can, I cannot imagine how awful it must be to be a massage therapist with a hangover, like that day must drag on so long. So (laughs) what a great gift to your clients that you just show up in, you know, such great shape and have so much um, to put into your work. I think that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it Um, was, it's, it's
2: brutal. It was a, it was a long day. And I'm the person that holds on to a lot of, like, you could tell than what I was drinking the night before, um, just from <laughs> sitting beside me. So, um, yeah. So I was like this, that can't continue.
1: <laughs> <I feel> like, <laughs> There's no, not enough essential oil in the world. <laughs> <for this. laughs> no, no, exactly. <laughs> um, Christy, you mentioned that when you were younger, um, self-harm came up for you. And um, I'm wondering if that completely went away on its own or did it or anything else, like any old behavior patterns, resurface or even just like kind of come back into your mind when you quit drinking? Because sometimes old things come up. For me, uh, an eating disorder, you know, kind of popped back up for a while. And so sometimes they say it's like whack-a-mole at first, that all of your isms, all of your old coping mechanisms try to take the place of whatever you're taking away did you experience anything like that um you know
2: I did um with the the self-harm and like the cutting and stuff it was more just kind of uh it was a release definitely at a point where I didn't know that it actually was and I actually had stopped for a little bit and then it came up again um a little bit later in life. But when I quit drinking, I think it was more, um, a lot of the feelings came through because it was like, Oh my goodness. Now I have these layers that I'm needing to work through. And like these feelings of things coming up that I was like, Oh this is, this is why, or, you know, certain situations would happen and I would feel not drawn to the self-harm piece again, but it's like, you know, this would be a moment where I would have a drink. Oh, this makes sense now. Um, and so when there was feelings of say, like uh, I I, like, I don't even know, like just normal stress or feelings of loneliness or things like that. It would, those are the types of layers that I kind of had to work through to, to recognize and kind of know that I was like, Oh, okay, this is, this is what it is. And I do a lot of things mindlessly. Like I'm still, uh, working through, um, my eating is a big thing. Like I do a lot of mindless sugar eating. So I have found that that's something that I'm still kind of working through um, within like with feelings, right? So I don't know if it ever really stops, but thankfully those feelings of, you know, needing to self-medicate and self-harm, I think that those, a lot of those feelings are are gone now never really gone, but more dealt with, I guess.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it sounds like you were, you were pushing them down and and hiding them away your feelings since you were a teenager. And, um, you know, that stuff has a way of coming. We have to deal with it eventually. (laughs) (laughs) It only goes away for so long. And
2: then it's like, Oh, just kidding. You haven't dealt with that yet. Like, (laughs) You know, even, even in situations that I had thought, you know, like I did a lot of processing within my, my marriage and, you know, it was years of trying to analyze what I was going to do and when I was going to do it and how, and how this would look and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And even being gone and separated at this point, there's still things that I'm like, oh, I didn't deal with that. <laughs> like, oh, this is affecting me. Oh, okay. All right. Let's, you know, take a hot bath and let's journal this. Cause okay, here we go. <laughs> like, And it, you know, and I have found that it seems to be around the full moon that makes me crazy. <laughs> like, Oh, really? Oh, the cycles of the full moon. Yes. I can, I can pick it up. Um, like crazy because I, I could never figure out what, you know, I thought maybe it was just my monthly or, you know, those natural cycles. And then I started following the the moon cycles and I was like, oh, this makes sense. This makes a lot of sense. So the energetic pulls, I feel a lot of those. And then it brings up a lot of different things and kind of throws me for a loop sometimes.
1: So you mentioned journaling. Is that your, is that your main, um, Way of working through stuff. Do you have other tools that you use, or what's your preferred I would, method?
2: Yeah, I would say journaling for sure has actually for years been um, been my, a main outlet of mine. I love to read as well, um, but yeah, journaling has been. It's a document, right? Like it's it's been a document of my life. Um, and when i had those hard times living in different spaces with you know aunts and uncles and being away from from the one parent that i kind of had left um that wasn't there you know um it was a way for me to get my feelings out when i was young right before before I had found drugs and alcohol could help get that away but yeah it was always something that I had always gone to and was drawn to do and it helps me sort things out a lot
1: so are you are you a book lover do you have any favorite authors or podcasts aside from the bubble hour or um like youtube channels are there any in other influences that you really enjoy
2: um, you know what? I have a list of podcasts I listen to. Uh, well, I listen to yours. I listen to um the Armchair Experts, Dax Shepard. Yeah, <laughs> I listen. He's hilarious. Um, and I also listen to what else do I have on here? I have a huge list. Um, so I have uh Rachel Hollis. I have hers from time to time, and I have um, what is it? A sober girl's guide. I've got, what else is on here? This naked mind. I don't listen to these all the time. Um, and then like the detox podcast, I listen to that one. Um, but these are kind of ones, like I said, they're not all the time, but, um, I'm also hooked on anything Glennon Doyle from the first time that you, uh, the first time that we had met you, um, suggested that book, The Love Warrior by Glennon Doyle. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember suggested. So I listened no, to but that I, book. I suggested it to everyone. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was life-changing and I listened to it the whole way home. <laughs> so, you know, it was about a six hour drive and I listened to it the entire way home. And it was See, just See, Christy, amazing.
1: this is why I knew you were going to get this done because you're the kind of person when someone suggests a book to you, you you put it on your iPod and you go and you listen to it. I was like, very efficient. She's gonna get this done. Oh, um, yeah, and just, yeah. I don't know if you know this, but Glennon Doyle has a new book out called Untamed. I yes, think it just I, came out this week. I have it. Have you got it? <laughs>
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've got it. I started reading it. Couldn't put it down yesterday. Um, You know, there's certain books that I'm drawn to have uh, to listen to. And then there's certain books that I just want to have and hold. And I felt that that one was one that I wanted to have and hold. So yes, I have it. And I am so thankful that I ordered it when I did, because now I have all this extra time at home. (laughs) So... Um, with all the craziness and, you know, I'm like, yes, I'm going need it.
1: And this is actually, this is my last question for you before we go is that you mentioned um, that you were a little bit bored uh, when your kids were little being a stay home mom and that, you know, part of that maybe was just being uncomfortable with spending time with yourself but as we record this um school has just been cancelled in our province due to the COVID virus and Mm -hmm. um you know life is changing for a lot of families right now for the foreseeable future weeks if not months um so you are going to be home with your kids for the next little while um how do you think uh, sobriety has equipped you for this and um You know, are you are you doing anything extra to kind of protect yourself and guard yourself up as well to make sure you don't slip into any old patterns?
2: Um, you know, I'm just trying to stay connected as much as I can, uh, when I can. So I actually did the meeting that, uh, she recovers had online on Sunday, um, which was my first one attending and it was magical being able to be there. Um, but I think at this point now, like just because of all the, all the stuff that has gone on within the separation and kind of just, um, I took a lot of that time when the kids were little, I took a lot of it for, you know, advantage of it. Right. And I think now having this time, I'm able to, um, kind of connect again with my kids and, you know, really appreciate this time. I really hope it doesn't last too long, but, <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm thankful. Cancellation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I, I don't know. I, I know it's going to be a while, but I do want to be able to get back to work, whatever that looks like. Right. But, uh, yeah, I think yeah. I'm just a lot better equipped to handle it as to, um, just being able to appreciate it now more and being okay with like being at home and being within myself, like it doesn't scare me anymore. Right. So yeah, bring it on. (laughs) Let's
1: do it. That's recovery. Honestly, isn't that just recovery is about like recovering the ability to be with ourselves, recovering ourselves as our favorite companion and just taking back our enjoyment mm-hmm. of our life, instead of trying to numb from it all the time. I love yeah, that. And absolutely. listeners, I want to point out for listeners, you mentioned the uh, online She Recovers meeting. So I mm-hmm. often tell people, if you're scared to go to a meeting, or you feel like your community is too small, check out intherooms.com. Because they have all these online meetings, A-A-N-A, Codependent. Um, and now She Recovers is doing mm-hmm. meetings uh, for women in recovery too, in recovery yeah. from anything. Uh, it, th- with She Recovers, they say we're all in recovery from something. So come as you are. It doesn't matter what you're in recovery from. Come and we're going to talk about how we change our lives. So um, yeah, you can go and you can just observe. You don't have to have your real name or anything. I don't think you have to have a camera on. Um, you can just, you can just listen. So Mm -hmm. if you even want to just listen to what, um, a meeting sounds like of any of those kinds of meetings, you can do that. And that can really be a game changer for people. So I got to put a plug in for that. And she recovers. Taryn has just started doing these meetings there on Sundays and, um, Really, I'm really glad you did that. I haven't had a chance to check them out yet. So I'm I'm happy to hear that it was a wonderful experience for you. And I'm sure that you'll be doing more in the future.
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah. It was, it was great. And it was a beautiful reminder just right at the right time that, that I needed it. You know, I was, it was early enough. I was making my coffee and I was listening, but yeah, no one could see my leftover makeup and hair, you know, and it was, it was great. It was, it was perfect.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just am so happy for you. I'm thrilled for you to have this success and to be where you're at today I know this was a really really tough go and that you just persevered and you inspire me and I'm just so glad we met and I'm really grateful that you spent some time with us today
2: Thank you. I appreciate being here. This was one of my this was one of my year goals. I said, if I make it, I'm gonna message Gene and I'm gonna do this. So I appreciate Uh being able to be here and and doing this and having this time and space and um
1: yeah, I just appreciate it so, so much. Oh, thank you. And you even went out and bought a pair of special headphones for (laughs) our discussion today (laughs) from the dollar store. So I Appreciate that. Um, last thing before you go though, if someone's listening, who's struggling or who's, you know, just getting started, just, do you have any words of encouragement for anyone who's at the beginning or who's having a rough day? Oh, just, just keep
2: going. Honestly, they get, they get better. They, they, they just, they always get better. And just when you think that you can't do it anymore, you absolutely can. And you know what, like if those bad bad days are happening, Uh, my motto was always, I'm going to bed. (laughs) I'm done. I, I'm not supposed to do this today. I've taken on too much. And I just, if anything, just keep going because once you get past the 30 days, it turns into 60 and it turns into 90. And then, you know, with each time it just, with each day and each moment, it just gets a little bit easier. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Love that. Thank you again, listeners. Thank you for being such loyal listeners of this program and sharing it with your friends. If you have time, I would love it. If you rated us, that helps other people find us. Christy, thank you. Listeners, thank you. Everybody, it's a tough, tough time right now. So take good care of yourselves and each other. And um, remember, call your call your introvert friends and call your extrovert friends because we all got to look after each other right now. (laughs) That's all for this time, everyone. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Until next time, do take good care.
0: I own it, I did that Not proud, but that was me And when I face it I take back a little dignity I'm not looking for excuses I just want to be free From the power Weakness had on me In a dark corner Is where shame Lies to hide With oh, you think you're strong Just cause you'll keep it the inside It just stays in wait there Rob you of your pride Turn the light on, turn the light on You can shine When you see Oh, I did that. Not proud that that was me And when I face it I take back a little dignity I'm not looking for excuses I just want to be free from power You don't have to shout it out on Main Street to be clear. You don't need to whisper to confession; them ears. The person you should talk to is looking at you in the mirror, and the one who matters most can always hear when you say I Oh, I'm not proud, but that was me, and when I face it. I'm not looking for excuses I just want to be free from the power Oh, you miss out on me When you said I am old, I did that Not proud that that was me And when I face it, I take back a little dignity I'm not looking for excuses I just want to be free from the power